All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to the Jason Greger Show here on Sports 1440, brought to you by Play Alberta. Lots going on tonight in the NHL, as well as the association. If you're looking to have some fun, maybe some parlays, anytime goal score, things of that nature, make sure you use your game sense if you are going to partake. Coming to you live from the EUL studio here in West Edmonton Mall. My name is Connor Halley, just sitting in for the first couple minutes here on the show as Jason is on the way, of course. Lots to get to on the program. You can always reach us. 1-833-401-1440. That is the text line. If you're watching on YouTube, get in on the comment section. You can do the same on Facebook. Big shout out to everyone tuning in on Oilers Nation. Lots to get to on this show today. Of course, we will recap the Edmonton Oilers victory last night as they take down the Los Angeles Kings. Winning 4-2, to two. Stuart Skinner, 38 save performance. Nice 950 save percentage there. Evan Bouchard, polarizing topic on the station today, a goal and an assist on the night. Some good, some bad, but in the Oilers' victory, the uh, the good's going to outweigh the bad tonight or last night. Leon Dries had a goal and an assist as well. Connor McDavid, two assists. That's the fifth straight game he's recorded two helpers. A man of his word and the Edmonton Oilers for the first time since the All-Star break, holding the opponent to less than three goals. So some good signs there. We'll see if it continues when the Oilers take on the St. Louis Blues on Wednesday, today on the show, jam-packed, lots to get to. We will be hearing from TSN's Frank Corrado, former NHLer. Uh, we'll talk about the Montreal Canadiens, the Vancouver Canucks, where he played, and a whole lot more. Of course, the trade deadline quickly approaching. We'll also be joined by the general manager of the Sherwood Park Crusaders, Adam Surgery. That'll be at 2.40, of course, the crew uh, with the move to the BCHL. We'll talk about that as well as the new arena plans for the Crusaders. That's going to be absolutely awesome. Sean Brown will be by at 3 o'clock to co-host 
for two hours. Longtime NHLer will get his thoughts on the Oilers' performance last night. Brant Myers, number one best-selling author of Painkiller, will join us, former NHLer as well. Streddy will be by at 420. We'll talk some hockey, of course, with old Streddy. And then uh, we've got Sportsnet's Mark Spector, 5 o'clock. And then Derek Van Dees from NHL.com tuning in uh, for 520. Husks text in right off the top. Please no more Bouchard talk. From Husks. Well, yeah, that kind of came up today earlier on in the Fantasy Frenzy and hasn't really stopped from what I've seen in our text line. Looks like the lowdown with low tide kept the conversation going. So uh, we'll, we'll try to avoid it, but when Gregor gets in here, he might want to put his two cents on that. You can continue to do yours. Uh, 1-833-401-1440. Uh, we could probably go elsewhere with this one. I mean, on Fantasy Frenzy earlier today was Bouchard and then the Darnell Nurse talk kind of crept in there. And, you know, how can you how can you pay Bouchard in his next contract more than Darnell Nurse? It'd be a high salary number. Do teams that have a lot of success have that much money in the back end with two players? I mean, if they're that, that good, then you would. But, uh, I mean, Bouchard... Uh, maybe not falling in that category of the all-around defenseman at this point. Uh, but Matthias Ekholm discussed that last night. I'm sure we'll hear that uh, later on in the show. Uh, we'll also have five questions coming up at about 4.40 if you want to uh, tune in for that one. Uh, some more thoughts on the Oilers game last night. And, uh, you know, maybe not the start they would have wanted, but uh, Zach Hyman continuing to do what he does this year. 38 goals on the season. That put Connor McDavid on that one up to 69 assists. He's now up to 70. Like I said, five straight games with Connor McDavid having a 0-2-2 stat line. Uh, pretty impressive as Jason Greger rolls in here. Uh, he'll be joining us in just a second. Uh, Greger, we'll let you take over here. Cons, I appreciate that <laughs> little uh, traffic snarl. Coming in and had a meeting, ran, meeting ran a little bit late, and so... Yeah, hey, I uh, appreciate that. That's the uh, wonders of live radio. It's not really a job that you can be late for. So the old adage never run to a microphone either, cons. So uh, I didn't. That's uh, that's never good. Otherwise, you'd be like, hey, good afternoon. So no, that's uh, not it. Uh, kind of like the Edmonton orders, a little bit of a, a slow start uh, last night. I wouldn't even say slow. It was more um, a cautious start. Uh, neither team, they didn't really have many chances. L.A., you know, basically won a puck battle in front of the net. And you know what? I, I still think the orders can get more from that pairing, um, CC and Nurse. I think they uh, they need to be a little bit better than they have been lately. Uh, they were great for a long time, especially Nurse. But you know what? Some of the decision making not as good right now. And I'm sorry, your big guys. Those are battles I'd like to see. You know, now it's a fifty fifty battle. So you know what? That's what's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to lose it. But I didn't hate the goal. I didn't love the goal. Um, the orders, though, of course, Hyman ties it, as you mentioned, Cons, late in the uh, first period. That was a massive goal, I think, just for the confidence of the orders. Uh, then they get in the second period, and it's amazing somehow their penalty kill had been great for 32 games. And then it was awful for uh, the previous nine. And then last night, I really think their penalty kill, I would argue that their penalty kill won them the game. Because... They killed both penalties, including 24 seconds of five on three. And that gave them all the momentum. After that, the orders were the better team by a long shot. Right? Uh, they were down two to one at the time. Came back. They scored the next three goals. And I really thought controlled the majority of the play. The Kings had a lot of shots late in that game in the final three, four minutes on the extra attacker. To, to get it to, to 40 shots against, because you'd think, oh, geez, 40 shots against. The orders are really giving up too much. 
I think the last night was a case of Skinner made some big saves on that penalty kill. But, you know, and he made some key stops late on the extra man advantage. Mostly shots from distance, though. Not a lot of second opportunities. I thought Edmonton was much better around their goaltender. And Stuart Skinner, he needed a bounce back game. 950 save percentage, stops 38 of 40. That was huge. Like, the orders last night played like I think they're capable of playing. They played a patient game. They tied it up despite giving up the first goal. And you know what? Evan Bouchard made way more many. He made way more good plays than bad plays. Everybody saw the play. And I like Bouchard. He goes, hey, you know what? Uh, I thought I could get up there. The guy made a nice deke. He, he didn't read it well. It led to the uh, the second goal. But then he has a nice play. And by the way, I talked to McDavid after the game and just ran into him, you know, because he wasn't available to the media. They're not available every game. And I asked him about that power play goal. Because that's a play we haven't seen very often from the owner's power play. I was like, okay, is that something that you guys have been planning? He says, no, that was just Bouchard and Drysaddle. Drysaddle recognized, hey, you know what? Let's go for a slap pass, redirection. And Bouchard put it right on the tape. Boom, redeflects it, uh, redirects it, excuse me. And it's a goal. And then Bouchard scored. And that's not a fluke shot. If it happens, like, no offense. If, if any other order's defenseman takes that shot and it goes in, I don't think it's planned. Bouchard, he's got a hard shot. He's got a pretty accurate shot. He's only, on the season, he's had 327 shot attempts. There's lots that are blocked. That happens for every D-man. He's had 164 shots on goal. He's hit, did you know this? He's hit eight posts slash crossbars this season. Eight. And uh, he's missed the net 44 times, which isn't that much when you consider that he has 164 shots on goal. It's pretty accurate. And accurate to the top shelf is hard to do from the blue line. I think a lot of people don't understand how difficult of a shot that is. So, you know what? Bouchard's going to make plays like we saw in the second goal sometimes against. You don't like it. Fair. But he still made more good plays than bad plays. And that's what matters. People get in their shorts in a knot because we asked Evan Bouchard about the second goal. How could you not ask him about the goal against when you also asked him about the, the, the two plays that led to a goal on the power play and then, of course, his own game-winning goal? That's what reporting is. You report on the story. The second goal was a story because you don't see it very often. You don't see a guy like that just make, you know, that blatantly of an incorrect read. It'll happen. Like you said, you know what? Bleep happens sometimes. And it did. So I don't have much of an issue with it. I don't think it's a play where he's going to make it all the time. And, and here's the thing. I'll tell you this right now. If you go into the games thinking that Evan Bouchard is suddenly going to be a stalwart defensively, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. That That's not his forte, okay? He's never going to be a defensive, dominant defenseman. But he doesn't have to be. He can be better, which I think he's shown. Right? It's like when people used to whine about Barry. Like, Barry does way more good plays than bad plays. But they're not stellar, dominant, shutdown defensemen. Because they don't need to be. That's not what they get paid for. And that's not... Bouchard didn't come to the NHL because he's like, ooh, there's a shutdown defenseman. He's going to anchor our penalty kill. Right? He's going to take all the tough starts. No, that's that's not who he is. So don't expect him to be. What he is, is a dominant offensive defenseman. Right? 
He's grown into it. He wasn't a dominant offensive defenseman as a rookie, nor should he be. Very few guys are. But he's become a dominant player. There's not many defensemen in the league who have a weapon like he does as far as a point shot. Because when you score from the point repeatedly, it's not fluke. Especially when there's lots of those goals that have no screens. Right? That, that is not fluke. That's, that's repetition. That's happening over and over. That's a skill. And uh, he's definitely highly skilled in that area. I think he's improved his defensive game. He's going to have plays like that. You're allowed to talk about it. Those who are Bouchard fans, if you're so thin-skinned that you can't admit if a guy makes a bad play, that's on you. That's on no one else. That's on you. Most people talk about how many good plays Bouchard makes rather than bad plays, at least for me. So uh, that was a huge win for the Edmonton Oilers. And also, did you see late in the game? I don't know if you saw it, cons or not, but Adrian Kempe. He went back to L.A. today. He's going to get an MRI. That did not look good. It was just, you know, unfortunately, it gets tangled up with CeCe and how he fell. You kind of knew right away that wasn't good. So that could be a huge blow for the L.A. Kings. And if Kempe is out long term, well, I think that puts the Kings even more in the mix to want to add somebody at the deadline. Just because they're going to want to replace Campy. Like, right now, like they, so if you look at it, who's Kopitar going to play with? I guess you could put, now, what they might do is they could say, we're going to take Dubois and Byfield and play both of them with Kopitar now, if Campy's out. You could do that and then just say, let's go out and get a third line winger. I, I, I get that, you know, Dubois is a center, but you can figure it out. Drysaddle plays wing. It's not the end of the world. Right? Or you could play Dubois with Deneau if need be and you, and you move one of Fiala or more up with Kopitar and Byfield. But they could just load up their top six. Right? Lapierre then goes down. Uh, Lafayette, sorry, uh, goes down to their third line, which is probably where he's more suited. Scored a nice goal last night, but still, I don't think he's a top six player. They could do that. But the Adrian Kempe, that is a math. Like, that guy's a 35-goal scorer multiple times. He's a good player. And uh, that is a big blow for the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, no question in my mind. 833-401-1440 is the uh, text line. Uh, coming up on the show today, of course, uh, Sean Brown will join us in studio, as he always does. Uh, Brant Myers will be by. We'll hear from Struddy, Mark Spector, uh, Derek Van Deest, uh, Frank Corrado will uh, join us, talk all things uh, NHL uh, more so. Uh, he's in Montreal to do the uh, Canadians game. Who are the Habs looking at dealing? Right, like Jake Allen, I know they want to trade him, and they're willing to retain salary, but which team's looking for it right now? Because I'm not sure. Now, and you heard it from Kevin Woodley, who's much more of a goalie expert than me. But if you bring in Jake Allen right now, he hasn't played well. And he hasn't played very much this season. So if you bring him in for a backup, if he plays, whatever, eight games down the stretch, is he going to be able to just flip a switch and be ready come playoff time? Maybe. But I wonder outside of him... Who are they uh, looking to move? So we'll talk to uh, to Frank about that. Um, uh, some some other news in the uh, in the sporting world, of course. Did you see? I, I'm f- kind of fascinated by this. Cons. I don't know if you saw it or not, but um, the uh, then SWL, the National uh, Women's uh, National Women's Soccer League (NWSL) has has been growing and been quite successful in the U.S. Right? It's it's like the most successful women's pro soccer league in the world. Did you notice that there's a competitive, well, not, I think it's a competitor league. 
even though it's not going to be at the same time, but it's going to be running out of the U.S. And some would argue that there's not enough teams for the quality of players, so this will be good. But it's like like the NFL dominates because people talk about it year-round, and that's what they focus on. And so I wonder, well, I get why this new league wants to start up. I, I'm hesitant that it would necessarily be the best thing. Now, right now, they they could use more teams in their one league. Probably would be better. So, you know, you have a different league come up. And, and that's where I'm always worried about these new leagues. Do, are they there for the benefit of the players? Are they there for to hopefully make money? I'm pretty sure I know the answer. It's the latter. And while there will be more opportunities, cons, what do you think the chances are that they can have two professional women's soccer leagues running at different times of the year? I would put it probably at a low amount. I mean, I, I do kind of follow. I see Angel City down in Los Angeles. They have some fantastic crowds. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the question would be, can you take players from the NWSL yeah, and allow them N- to play? Yeah, And does the NWSL want that? Yeah, because soccer is pretty demanding. I wouldn't want right? them to play. It's a pretty demanding sport for for a long time, so. and a lot of them you got to factor in also the international duties that they have. Like, yep. yeah, it kind of goes year round. So, if if it's me, I I wouldn't put too much stock into it. I think the NWSL, and I'm I'm sure Gregor, there will probably be some uh, modifications in these contracts if possible, where we need you to stick with this one and not go and play year round and and fade away. Because yeah, some of these teams do very well, and I don't think they want to mess that up. Yeah, so that that to me was just that was a story I read today. I was quite uh, intrigued by, so we'll touch on that. Uh, Alex Manoa for all you Jays fans, it's hey, it's spring training, man. The guy's hitting batters left and right. I think he hit three in the in the first few innings. Cons, I I know he's going to be monitored a lot. I'm not going to make too much of his first spring training start when you know the guy hasn't pitched in what eight months. Yeah, I I mean. It- it's probably not the biggest concern. Maybe some people are going to make it out to be something that it's not. I, I wouldn't say I love it, you know. Didn't even get through two innings, hit three batters. But that's been kind of Manoa's game. And in the past, he's had some issues with control. He likes to throw high and inside, and occasionally that's going to get away from you. We'll see if it continues. Uh, if, if it's a one-off, and hopefully it is, then maybe not the biggest thing. First chance to get back out there uh, with spring training. But it is a storyline we're going to be watching for, Gregor. Similar to, uh, you know, last year when those struggles started. At first, maybe it wasn't a big a concern, but it snowballed. If it continues again this year, then I think it, it could be something big. 833-401-1440. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you. The uh, Oilers, of course. Hey, the St. Louis Blues are in Winnipeg tonight. Then they got to jump on a bus. It's a little long. Uh, back-to-back from Winnipeg to Edmonton. So uh, the order should have an advantage. And, oh, by the way, it's a little bit of an early start to- tomorrow night as well. I think it's the uh, 6.30. Well, let's be honest, close to a 6.45 start for the uh, for the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow. So, uh, you know what? That's another game, I think, that's uh, very winnable. Hey, boys, uh, what about Savard in uh, Montreal from Big Mac? Well, you know what? We'll talk to uh, Frankie about that. Um, and if you look at Montreal and you feel like you're, cause I'll say this about teams that are trying to retool and rebuild. I find the one mistake they make too often is you have a solid NHL player, proven solid NHL player. You trade him away. I don't even care if it's a, a late first round pick. The odds that that late first round pick becomes a secure NHL player are low, much lower than already having one. 
And I think sometimes that's I, that's the error. To, oh, we're going to trade this guy for a second rounder. What are the chances of that second rounder ever even plays? So now you just gave up a guy for hope. Now, if he's a pending UFA, I can understand it. But I would look at some of these teams at times and say, hey, you know what? We got a lot of cap space. Why not keep some of our mid-tier players? Give him a contract two or three years. You know what? I don't care if he's a $2.5 million player and we give him 2.8. It's not going to hurt us because we're not a cap team. Something to discuss. So we'll talk about all that when we return on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Welcome back. Tuesday edition of The Gregor Show on Sports 1440. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you. Hope you're having uh, a wonderful day. Uh, be safe on the roads. Be safe. Uh, be uh, be patient. There's uh, there's there's a few times when uh, somebody tries to go through where it hasn't been plowed yet, and that's uh, that's that's not working out. It's not working out. So unless I got a, a real big high truck, so be careful out there. Turn your lights on, please. Let's go around the NHL. Brought to you by McDonald's, and uh, hey, your taste buds are in luck. The Shamrock Shake is back at McDonald's Minty Green. So iconic. Get yourself this fan favorite, but only for a limited time at McDonald's. Uh, we are joined now by a former uh, NHLer, uh, also uh, NHL on uh, TSN. Frank Corrado joins us. Uh, he'll be uh, doing the uh, Habs game tonight. Frank, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, and um, I'm really happy to hear you tell people to turn their headlights on because I don't know what's happened in our society, but the amount of people that I see driving without lights on ah. is crazy, yeah. and it's so easy. All you have to do is leave it on auto. Yeah. You never have to touch it. Frank, trust me, man. We are, we're talking to the same message. I don't understand why the auto button is so hard for people. I don't, like I, Everybody turns their lights on. They think Honestly, I think some people believe that, well, my daytime running lights are on the front. That means they're on the back, but it's not how it works. No. So uh, just, no. A, just a safety reminder out there, people. Turn your lights on. Um, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, we know they want to make a goaltender trade. The problem is uh, the guy they want to trade, Jake Allen, hasn't played very much. And when he has, he hasn't necessarily played uh, very well. There's some rumblings about David Savard. Like When you look at Montreal, and they've made some improvements this year, like, where do you come out? Because to me, I think the mistake a team like that makes, they got young guys that are building up. Slavkovsky's getting a lot better. Obviously, Suzuki and Caulfield, they got some good young players. But you have an experienced NHL defenseman. You trade him for draft picks or whatever it is, but then you don't replace him, and your team's not any better next year. Would they be better off just keeping Savard? Well, if they're going to get a big haul for them this year, then I would consider it. And. Like, you take a look at the D market, and keep in mind that he's not a UFA. He's got one more year left on his deal. I think it's at 3.5, so it's very digestible. Yes. Um, if, if you can get something that you think helps you in the long term, and I'm thinking, I, I don't even know if picks is, is the right thing at this point. Like, they need players that are going to be able to play within a couple of years. And is someone going to give you that for David Savard? Depends how desperate a team is. But I, I absolutely do think that – if he goes to a good team, an established team, he can help move the needle for them. But it, it's been interesting here to watch his deployment under Marty St. Louis because they have a lot of young defensemen, a lot of very promising young defensemen. And anytime one of those guys has a bad game or maybe it's two so-so games in a row, you can guarantee that Marty is pairing that defenseman with David Savard. It's like clockwork. And you know what tends to happen? 
that player straightens out and yeah. he plays pretty well. And like just having having that stability and having that guy that's a little bit of a cooler um, in in your lineup on the back end, I think is so important for these young guys here. So that's why I say like unless you're going to get a massive haul for him this year, you're much better off keeping him, and you can address it when he's a, a pending UFA next season. So I looked down the Habs lineup. Tanner Pearson's a pending UFA. Colin White's a pending UFA. Uh, you know Chris Weidman, but let's be honest, he's uh, he doesn't have any any value. Do do you see other guys? You know, like a Jake Evans has an extra year, and I know lots of opposing teams are a little bit more interested in acquiring players when they have term. Um, who do you see the Habs uh, players that the opposition GMs would be interested in acquiring? See, it's funny you bring up Evans. So he's got an extra year, and he's got a really good cap hit. Like, he's 1.7. And I've always felt like when Montreal was fully healthy and Jake Evans was your fourth-line center, you're actually pretty good down the middle of the ice. The problem with the team this year is Evans has had to be the second-line center, and he's had to play with guys like, you know, Brennan Gallagher, who's not having a great year. Josh Anderson is not having a great year. Yoel Armia, who's got another year left. And if Montreal could uh, find a way to expose of, uh, dispose of him, I'm, I'm sure they would. So, like, if you're bringing in a, a player maybe lower in the lineup who can kill penalties and is quite versatile, um, Jake Evans is one of those guys that, that maybe gets a look. It's interesting when you take a look at the, the forward group here because they have a first line of players who are going to be here for the long term in Suzuki, Caulfield, and Slavkovsky. And then it's like it's like a black hole in lines two and three of guys that if the team could get rid of, they absolutely would, or guys that just, you know, they, they might not fit in the long-term plans. And then the fourth line is a fourth line. Like, let's, let's be honest. It, it's guys that are going to crash and bang and play eight minutes a night. But that's the, where the biggest transitional phase is here. Um, in Montreal is lines two and three. So I would say if you can find a taker for any of those players that are playing on lines two and three, and I'm talking Josh Anderson, Brendan Gallagher, Yoel Armia, um, you know, go Tanner Pearson, like all those guys, even Jake Evans for that matter, I would, I would be entertaining it because that's, that's going to be the biggest transitional phase of this lineup moving forward because the back end has a lot of good players already. They got a, look, a lot of good players coming. Um, and the first line is pretty solidified. Frank Corrado joins us. Uh, Frank, you look at the, you know, where, where do you come out on the Ottawa Senators on, you know, like what has to happen? The Sens, everybody was expecting them to take a, a step this year. I shouldn't say everybody because I didn't pick Ottawa. I looked at them at the start of the year and I'm like, they don't play defense well enough. And I saw that uh, movie a few times in Edmonton, even when they had McDavid and Drysaddle. And uh, so I, I, I get all the offseason hype and everyone's excited because they got all these young players, but they don't play defense well enough. Do you think they're playing better defensively or do they still have significant changes if they want to be a playoff team next year? Both both can be true. They, they do have to make significant changes uh, for next year. They are playing better defensively than they have been. But the problem with that is it's garbage time. You're so far behind the eight ball now. Like It's almost like you, you get into these games, and I know I experienced it with Toronto when we were in last place, and we ended up getting Matthews the next year. But I played a lot of these garbage time games. And, you know, we would play Boston and we would give them a good game. We would play Detroit. We would give them a good game. And we would win a few along the way. And after the game, we'd be like, hey, look at us. We did pretty good against a pretty good team there. And guess what? That team, like, they had maybe just won seven in a row or, you know, six out of their last seven. And it's like, okay, you know, we got one. 
But it, and I feel like Ottawa's doing a little better than that right now. But they do need to make significant changes, and we don't even know who's going to be the coach there next year. So you know, I think it's good that Jacques has kind of come in there and he's trying to teach players on an individual level, like, hey, here's where you can make a play. Here's where you can't. This is, you know, good defensive structure in this situation. Like, all that stuff is important. It kind of – it makes it very evident, though, how little of that was going on there previously, and that's a little concerning because, you've, you know, you've, you've had a lot of those guys there for a few years now. What did they learn? that whole time um but you know there's there's work to be done they need to they need to figure out their back end because it's it's thin and it's redundant the way it is right now where you have you know a lot of money allocated on the left side of the ice they, they need you know even if you're going to have left-handed shots they can play the right side of the ice they need good vets like right now their vet is Claude Giroux who's outstanding but he's one guy Mm-hmm. Too much for one player to do that. So there's a lot that needs to, to change in Ottawa moving forward. And at the beginning of the season, I'll be honest, I was like, they're going to be two points in, two points out. Like, I, I really thought they were that bubble tweener team if everything went well and everything did not go well. And they are where they are right now, and there's a lot of work to do. Frank Grotto joins us, uh, NHL on TSN. Uh, going back to the Habs, um, what do you make of Josh Anderson? Is is this just a bad year? Is it salvageable? What's up? It's a very bad year. Um, and, and his shooting percentage, like I, I was just looking at this the other day, his shooting percentage is the worst it's ever been. Um, last year was above average. His career shooting percentage is somewhere in the middle. So you would think at some point it's going to correct. Um, it's just, you know, he's struggling with the confidence with the puck confidence finishing like last game against new jersey he had a wide open net he missed the net by a foot and a half then later in the game because he's got good foot speed gets a breakaway rings it off the crossbar and it's like that's just been happening so often with him and i i wonder about him like his his contract is big for the output that he's giving this team like i wonder if you had to put him in a different situation on a good team and you just told him like we don't care how much you score. We just want you to be nasty, mean, and physical and play lower in the lineup. And if you score, that's great. If you don't, like, we just need we need the other stuff out of you. Like, I wonder if that situation would, would work better for him. But um, it's, been, it's been really tough sledding for him. I, I can't help but watch him play and be like, this guy just needs one to go in off his behind or off his shin pad just to, I don't know, just to, just to maybe get him that, that good feeling. But... It's interesting because, like, there's there's a pack a physical package there, but it's not really it's not really coming to fruition. And too often this season, like the play has kind of just died on his stick, um, and now he's not bearing his chances to go along with that. Like, what do you make of the uh, Jets, Oilers, and the Canucks? Uh, do you see any one of those teams uh, making significant moves? I know the Jets already added one, but uh, do you see another yeah. one? Uh, do you see Vancouver having another one? And how many moves do you think Edmonton makes? I think it's Edmonton's turn. Like I, I, I do think Edmonton is is probably trying to make a significant move. I would imagine, like if I was in that situation, I would be trying to make a significant move. I think Vancouver's made their move. I think uh, Winnipeg has has made their move. They're 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 probably in the market for secondary market uh, depth pieces now. But Edmonton's interesting because. 
like if I if, if I was running things, if I could get an upgrade on Cody Cece, I absolutely would. And that's not to disparage him, but I'm just saying, like, you want to win a Stanley Cup. I, I think if if you're not trying to look for upgrades at certain positions, then you're not doing your due diligence, and that's one where I would be looking at. The other thing is is a scoring winger, but and I know there's a lot of talk about Jake Gensel, who's currently injured, right? Mm-hmm. What what like what do we think the package is to acquire Jake Gensel? Because if it's going to be a first, uh, an A prospect, plus, 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 like if it's a, one of those massive deals to bring him in, who's he knocking off the first power play unit? And if he's not knocking anyone off the first power play unit, you're going to give this guy that you just paid a ton of assets for 25 seconds of scraps on the second power play unit. Whereas if you could find someone on a more value deal, who isn't expected to be on the first power play unit anyways, but could still give you some offensive pop at five on five. That's probably more the route that I would be looking at. So like we just, like we saw with the Lindholm Monahan thing, you need one shoot a drop before the other one can. So the next one is going to be, okay, what are the defensemen situations like? What is Chris Tanev? What is Sean Walker? And then what are the scoring wingers? Like, what's, what's the market for the scoring wingers? So we, we need the big fish to drop first, and then we'll see what those, those kind of markets look like for those players. But I would absolutely be in on um, as much as I can if I were Edmonton. Frank, uh, we really appreciate your time. But what about the Leafs? Like, obviously, we know they need defense. I don't think there's any debate on that. But how, yeah. like, I, I could argue they need two defensemen. Do you think they add two? They, they they needed two defensemen at the start of the season, <laughs> you know. Like they the, the thing they have is, is they have a little cap space because of the Klingberg LTIR money. So that's so that feels like it's inevitable that that's a move that happens for them. Now, like if they could get into a situation where, and I love this guy. I think he's such a warrior. I'm I'm such a fan of his game, Mark Giordano. Like if they could get into a situation where they don't have to play Geo every single night because he's 40 and, and, you know, we saw last year in the playoffs, it was, you know, it was moving really fast. They could get into a situation where they finally get a legitimate right-handed shot, top four guy to play with Morgan Riley. And if there was like someone lower in the lineup who could give you, you know, a little more of a, a robust presence, which Simon Benoit has done a really good job of this year. Um, that that would help them. But they, they absolutely need, like, think about the partners that, that Riley has played with over yeah. the years. It's been, you know, I don't know. It's been Polak. It's been Zaitsev, Connor Carrick. It's been Hainsey. It's been Hunwick. It's been TJ Brody. Like, when does he get Josh Manson? Or when does he get uh, Connor Murphy? Like, when does he get those kinds of, and I know there's differences between those players, but when does he get the six foot two, 200 pound mobile right-handed guy who can move the puck and play steady minutes? Like it just, it just seems like he's never had that guy. And I would love to see what that would look like in that lineup. Awesome stuff, man. We appreciate it. Frank, enjoy the game tonight. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Frank Corrado joining us from T the NHL on uh, TSN. So uh, the Montreal Canadiens, like you think about it, Dvorak's out, Doc's out. On paper, they have a lot of good young players. I don't think they can win with all of them. I think they'll have to make, like I would move one of them for some a different style. Too much of the same doesn't work. Ottawa proved it again this year. They have too much of the same. So I think you have a little bit of diversity in your lineup. And uh, Montreal and Ottawa 
right? 53, 52 points respectively. I, I think Ottawa, of course, has a little advantage on the back end because of Sanderson. And, you know, Shabbat's still a good player. There's some talk about, you know, maybe he gets moved. We'll see. Montreal, like, and even Ottawa, like Kachuk, obviously, is something that uh, Montreal doesn't necessarily have. Right, Brandon Gallagher is not as good as Kachuk's, not as big as Kachuk's, not as tough as Kachuk. Um, but Yuri Slavkovsky is really coming for Montreal. It's another great example. I, if As much as I could, if I was an NHL team, avoid teenagers in the NHL. There's the, there's the rare exception. We understand that. McDavid's, we can go down the list. But there are very... Leon Dreisaitl, Hart Trophy winner, wasn't ready for the NHL as a teenager. That's all you should need to know. For anybody out there that's going to argue, oh, yeah, it's better for them. Why? Why is it better for them to get their teeth kicked in? Right? You can dominate. You can work on your defense game. You can work on lots of things. But most importantly, you maintain high level of confidence, which is key, especially if you think that player is going to be an offensive-minded player for you. So the, uh, the number of teenagers who have failed in the NHL is infinitely higher than the number of teenagers who have succeeded in the NHL. It's a man's league. It's a hard league. Avoid teenagers at all costs, excluding the rare ones, the outliers, shall we say. 240, Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. We'll get uh, more on the orders. Uh, are you, uh, did last night's game kind of allow you to exhale as an order fan and say, okay, look, they can play the game that I know they're capable of playing against a good team. Stuart Skinner, solid. And he was really good on the penalty kill. Made some key saves when needed. Penalty kill, huge. Best players showed up. Connor Brown, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, pretty key goal to salt the game away at 4-2. to Lots of guys contributed last night in that game. That's what you need. And uh, now the orders. You finish the month of February with a win tomorrow night at 6-5-1. and one. It's not great, but it's far from awful. And I think that'll be the uh, the key for the orders. And you get into uh, March, and it starts in Seattle on Saturday afternoon. And then they're home to uh, see Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Could this be the last visit of Sid the Kid in a Penguins uniform? I- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I really wonder. Now, if they make the playoffs this year, then no. But I do wonder, now depending on how the schedule breaks down, when would Pittsburgh come to Edmonton? Usually they come earlier in the year. But let's say... Next season, the Pens are out of it again. I think the uh, the chatter of Sidney Crosby potentially moving on will become a little bit higher. And man, would there be a lot of teams interested. That guy can still play the game very well. So look forward to seeing him. They got, they got some big names in that lineup. There's no question. But they're also not as good as they used to be overall in their lineup. And for other fans, chance to see uh, Jake Gensel. But, oh, no, I don't think he'll be ready yet. That's unfortunate. So... But we'll see about Gensel. I'm curious where he goes. 833-401-1440. Let's get a quick break. We'll come back. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you. The Gregor Show live in the Ewell studio. Your electrical, your local electrical distributor. EWEL.ca. 247. Welcome back. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you on Sports 1440. It's time to go in the community now. Brought to you by Ack. Electrical, why well, you always want to take action on your savings? How about a 10-year interest-free loan from Action if uh, you want to get uh, solar on your uh, resident or uh, commercial area? Interest-free, baby. That is massive. Look at the interest rates right now. That is a pretty big savings. So check it out. Go to actionelectrical.net. Tell them uh, Sports 1440 sent you. It's very nice. Uh, some big news in the uh, in the Sherwood Park area. Uh, it was announced a few weeks ago that um, the uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders, in conjunction with uh, Strathcona County, are going to be building a, a new facility. It's going to have uh, four sheets of ice. Also, uh, one of them, of course, will be the main rink that will seat uh, about uh, 2,500 people. And then there will be uh, three other ice rinks that will uh, have uh, usage for uh, lots of kids in Sherwood Park and Ardrossan and Strathcona County. Pretty big, uh, pretty big announcement. Uh, the GM of the uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders now in the BCHL, Adam uh, Surgery, joins us. Adam, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Jason. Appreciate it. Good. I guess kind of take me through, you know, this uh, this big announcement because obviously it's it's pretty major. And uh, when do you expect the uh, the building to be complete and and the new home of the Crusaders? Yeah, I think a fair timeline would be the start of the 2026 season. I think in a perfect world, uh, you know, if we can get this thing, uh, the shovels in the ground early enough, we could, we could be seeing uh, at least access to uh, two ring sheets by, you know, potentially the start of 2025. So um, if all goes well uh, and things go smooth, then you know, hopefully 2025 we're, uh, we're playing out of there. But uh, worst case scenario, we're, we're, we're optimistic for uh, the start of 2026 season. And uh, Adam, what has been the reaction in your community since it was announced that, uh, you know, along with Spruce Grove and three other teams, uh, you guys that had moved, uh, were planning on moving at the end of last year, obviously got uh, expedited a little bit and, and it happened this year to the BCHL. What's been the reaction from fans, sponsors, et cetera, people in Shirt Park? 
I think the initial announcement, there's mixed emotions, and, and rightfully so. They, they don't know all the information, right? There's a lot of misinformation out there. So I think once you get having conversations, um, you start to explain, you know, the process and explain, you know, what we're, our intentions were um, and, and provide a little bit more insight to, to a lot of the information um, and, and give more information, sorry, um, you know, like, they get it they understand and you know there's a level of excitement like there's this gonna be some really good hockey that's coming through our community yeah oh no i think it'll be good now i I know some of the concern was that you know there's not going to be a lot of alberta players on the team and i know i look at the uh, you know the the jphl and you know their whole development process is is to have you know more kids playing in the JPHL, thus you know many of them coming uh, to that league. How do you view it over the next few years as far as you know the Alberta and and maybe even you know a lot local kids playing on a BCHL team based out of Sherwood Park? I find it ironic because like BCHL mandates that there's a minimum number of players that are from Alberta on your roster, so it, it, it's a small number. It's five, um, but you know, it's five more than that was mandated in, in the league that we were previously in. So um, I don't see it impacting uh, anything. Like I do believe like, you know, there's, there's so much that goes into this, right? Like, you know, you get a local kid that's here uh, on your roster. I mean, like, geez, like that's, you know, that's billet fees that, that you're no longer having to, to worry about. Um, you know, there's you know, the, the, the season tickets that come along with that. There's a business side of it. Yeah. So I think it's win-win when you're, when you're able to bring in, um, you know, players that are from within your province, let alone in your backyard. Adam Surgery uh, joins us. He is the uh, general manager of the Sherd Park Crusaders now in the BCHL. Uh, Adam, when you know, the, kind of take us through the conversation why the Crusaders felt it was a good move for them uh, to go with the other teams to the BCHL. What made it the right move for your organization? Yeah, I think when you look at a lot of factors in this, I mean, obviously the new rink is a big one. You know, if we're going to build a new rink and, and it be an $86 million project, like, you know, you want it to be uh, something that, you know, is it's worth your time and energy, right? Like, so if you're going to, if you're in our position and, I mean, these rumors of teams leaving have been around for, for a while now, which I find it funny when people are like, mention that it was out of nowhere. Like, these, these rumors have been around for a while and, mm-hmm. um you know, if you're in our position and, and and keep in mind, like these rumors, like when they first started, it was four teams. There's never five teams. There's always like three or four teams that, that were going to leave. And all of a sudden there's five teams. And the reason for that is, you know, like I did my homework and I did my due diligence. Like I kept the pulse on this the whole time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from our standpoint, like it was important that we were a part of it because, you know, you look at the the business side of it, like the value of, um, you know, the franchise, if those four teams leave, like, they diminish a lot. Yeah. You know, if you're a league without Spruce Grove, Black Falls, Brooks, Okotoks, like, the value of, of your franchise is diminished a lot. So, you know, from there is that side of it, you know, like, that, that made a lot of sense. And, you know, like, people talk about the business side and it being there's be, like there's greed attached to it. Like, it's so, like, so wrong. Like, you don't make money in junior hockey. You know, like we, we've, you don't make money. Like it, it's, it's something that we felt was important for the community to bring good hockey to our community, the best hockey possible at this level in, in our community. Um, the ability to bring in, you know, better players. Like when you look at 
this whole like hockey Canada and like how they were, they're restricting player movement. Like it just makes no sense to me that a player from, you know, PEI can move to Victoria and play in the play for the Pacific coast hockey Academy at the age of 13. But Mikey from Saskatchewan at 17 isn't allowed to come and play in Alberta. Um, you know, so now like the ability to now bring in, you know, the best players possible across the country and within North America, like, you know, to, to give yourself the best, or I guess the most competitive roster um, is exciting. Um, you know, I think that part was, was important too. Like, you know, when we talk about branding and marketing a hockey team, like you want players that are marketable and that you can brand too. So there was a lot of thought that went into this. Um, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing. And certainly with the way things went down, they expedited our, our, our decision a lot quicker um, because at the point where, you know, the announcement was that five teams were leaving at that point, you know, it's, it's already been discussed a lot, but really like all that was agreed on was an understanding that if we were to move forward, like here are the conditions. So, um, you know, once they started to suspend play and all that other, all that other stuff, like, you know, it kind of forced our hand into having to, to make that decision a lot quicker. You look at your team and and kind of how you know this season. You know, it's obviously it's a unique season. Uh, kind of switching leagues halfway through, and now uh, you play a little bit of a round robin against the, the same four teams. And you know, it's going to build some rivalries, no question. Uh, you had a, a top team, and um, kind of tell me what you what you feel this will help your your organization. A it was great because the kids just didn't have to quit playing in, in January. That'd have been brutal. So they get these games, and is it confirmed yet that you know once you get to the playoffs and whoever wins the Alberta division, will you be moving moving on to play a BC team in the next round? Yeah, like we're really close to having that confirmed, okay. like really close. So like that's, it's, I wouldn't say it's over the goal line quite yet, but like it's, there's been a lot of ongoing discussion and it's, you know, we're, we're right there. We're right there in terms of it being confirmed. Like all, all both, both parties agree that it's the best thing. And uh, we just have to figure out a few logistical things, but I think, you know, for the most part, it's safe to say that we should see that, and it'll be the Alberta team that's hosting it. Oh, really? Oh, so kind of like like will be old Doyle Cup style a little bit. Exactly, Jason. You nailed it. Oh, all right. Kind of like that. Interesting. So, and um, one last one for you, Adam. What are when you look at to next season for your team? How how do you feel? You know the the, the competition for recruitment is going to be. How does it change for you this off season compared to previous ones? Oh man, I can tell you, like my phone hasn't stopped. Like it doesn't, it doesn't stop with, with the amount of interest of players wanting to come out this way. It's actually really exciting to be honest with you. Like it, 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 it's going to be, you know, we're going to have a better roster and we're going to be more competitive. And it, uh, you know, I'd be interested to know like what it's like for the other teams. I would assume it's no different, but you know, the, the phone is, as we call it here in the office, it's hot. And, uh, there's a lot of interest, and so it almost like forces you to have to decide, like what kind of what kind of direction do you want to go in? Do you want to, you know, do you want to grab, you know, some of the best older players in and around, you know, the country, or do you want to grab maybe some of the most talented players that might be younger, right? So you got to kind of that's kind of what we're going through right now is deciding like what direction do we want to go in? Do we want to, you know, do we want to bring in the best young players that have the most talent and potential and, and work really hard on the development side of it? Or do you want to grab some of the most, let's say we'll call more polished players and more mature, like that are older and 
um, you know, and have an immediate, like where we could be immediately competitive, maybe from the start of the season. But, um, you know, I kind of like the, the thought of being a little bit younger with more talented players and kind of rolling in the mud on the development side with them and, and, and seeing just how good they can be, say, by November, December. And, and you know, because those types of players, like good players, they, they, just, they just need time and they'll figure it out and, you know, just bring that talent to the surface. Adam, we really appreciate this. Uh, continued success uh, the rest of the year. Congratulations on, on the move to the BCHL and, of course, the uh, the upcoming arena, which not only helps the Crusaders, I think uh, helps way more kids in the community, which is fantastic with uh, four uh, sheets of ice. Uh, there's always uh, uh, figure skaters, ringette players, hockey players uh, looking for ice, and uh, that's going to be huge for uh, those in the Sherwood Park and, uh, and Strathcona County. Yeah, you nailed that, Jason. I really appreciate you having us and, and all the support that you uh you have given us uh, throughout this process. It doesn't go unnoticed. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Take care. There you go. That's uh, Adam Surgery, GM of the Crusaders. So interesting. The uh, the team between the Crusaders and the Saints – and, but man, they've had some great games, by the way. If uh, if you're looking for some awesome like local hockey head to head, their head to head matchups have been outstanding. Uh, also, of course, uh, Brooks and Blackfalls and Okotoks. Whoever wins the Alberta playoff pool. Well, it sounds like uh, they're very close, not 100%, but it's close, and it looks like the Alberta team will be uh, hosting that. For any of you who've been longtime AJHL fans, you'll know, right? Uh, uh, of course, you know, you'd win Alberta, then you'd play the uh, the winner of BC. And uh, usually, you know, you'd travel there for a few games, and you'd come back. It was, it was great. It, you know, and it's always difficult, no question. Ask anybody who's covered the AJHL for a long time, anybody who played in it. Those, man, those are some wars uh, way back in the day. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, the AJHL playoffs, of course, uh, uh, are going to get going here soon. Um, I, I I will say, like, if I was one of the top teams in the AJHL, I don't love the format they chose because they got a lot of time off for the top teams. And and I'm sorry, I think time off is a disadvantage come playoff time. You want to be fresh. You want to keep playing at any level. You don't want to sit out too long. Right? Like, unless your sport is like a sport like football where it's once a week and you're used to playing once a week and you're even used at one point in the season where you play a bye week. Hockey's not like that. Hockey never has, at least at the junior A level, right? It's only recently where the NHL has a bye week, right? They've never really done it before. And I believe that it's a big disadvantage for teams who are used to playing all the time. Like, you got to practice for two weeks straight, 10 days straight. Brutal. It's not fun. Let's get to the uh, con man of Sports 1440 update brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home of the no payments, no interest. For one full year, it's cold outside. Your furnace might have just conked out. Call Legacy. Look at your new one, no interest. LegacyHeating.ca. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.